Welcome to our newest adventure for first responder wellness. No one fights alone. In-depth conversations about mental health and culture in the first responder space. We're joined by your co-hosts, Austin Pedersen and Brad Shepard. Austin, my friend, we're back again with our one and only Rob D. That's right. What is the uh, only the highest rated or highest listened to episode? People like what he has to say, even though he sounds like he's in the toilet. Big fucking deal. That's yep. what he is. BFD Rob. BFD Rob. Rob, what's up? What's up, homies? Uh, I actually have been getting requested to get back on this place. Um, I got a shout out to my uh, cousin who is like, hey, I need some more uh, more things to listen to. I said, well, I got to get back on this thing then. Some more BFD, so, you know. So you have a you have a crowd, you have a following. Uh, yeah. Holy shit, dude! Like paparazzi, the whole thing. No, I wouldn't go that far because I ain't that pretty. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Rob. Let's get in, man. I don't know. How you been? Doing great, man. Just got back from New York. Uh, got to see family, and then uh, actually enjoyed their weather. Nice seventy degrees and a little cloudy. And then uh, came back to the Inferno just a couple days ago. Man, I bet that weather up there is nice. What what does a tell tell us what a trip to New York for Rob D looks like? What is that? What what do you experience? What do you go through? Super busy. Uh, the day is packed one hundred percent of the time, all the time. Uh, you know, you got to arrive at JFK, so of course, traffic is a disaster. Uh, anxieties through the roof because basically playing frogger trying to get into my father's truck because he picked me up uh this time i had a nine-year-old with me and my mother so i don't know which one was worse trying to play frogger with and uh (laughs) finally my dad picked us up and i took the red eye so i was exhausted so uh but then i had to help my dad work on cars so i was exhausted and then playing with an exhaust, uh, after a vehicle was running was, was super fun. Um, and then I took a nap. Then well, let's see, you're losing three, three hours, right? Isn't, isn't that a three hour? Day? Oh yeah. It's, I lost three yeah. hours. And, uh, so I took, I took a little nap and then, uh, yeah, we're Italian. So we eat. So I ate for the next two hours. I mean, dude, I want to hear your experience at airports because you don't seem like you're you love that very much. Personally, I hate it. It's it's like the whole world goes to shit. Nobody pays attention. They walk in front of you. They do all that shit. I can only imagine how you fired up you get. man. <laughs> so I got to tell you, my wife is one of the smartest individuals in the world. Uh, one day she said, you need TSA pre-check because mm-hmm. I ain't dealing with you on that line. So I gave her I gave her so much shit about making me do this TSA pre-check thing. Best thing in the world. I would tell everybody to do it. Uh, amazing. The people over at Sky Harbor. And what's great about uh, the, uh, the red eye is nobody's there. Nobody wants to stay up all night. So uh, I literally was one of two people in line. Got right in. And then I find a corner with nobody in it. Uh, I put my alpha stim on, 
just chill for an hour or whatever because I get there early, read my book, and I am the last one on the plane, so I don't have to deal with the uh, stop and go of the people getting on the plane. Uh, but this time, there was a girl, like, literally her anxiety was going through the roof, so that was, like, affecting me on the plane. So I was like, I just got to get off this plane. I just got to get off. I just got to get off. <laughs> but uh, it's all good. I mean, it's it's a means to an end. I know I know that I'm going to uh, get off that thing eventually. Uh, I know I'm going to need my tools uh, to get through it, but uh, I'm happy to say that this time going on a plane, I did not have to use any emergency medication. Atta boy, man. Atta boy. Yeah, hey. So well you done. hit a keyword for me, and I know we weren't planning on ta- talking about this at all, but uh, I've been recently introduced to it quite a bit. Brad sat in on a meeting in it, and you said it, the alpha stim. What's the, uh, talk about that, man? Because we're implementing that at the facility, uh, and I know that a lot of veterans are starting to get it for free through the Tricare, TriWest kind of thing. I'm interested to to hear what your thoughts are on it. Best thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it is so much better than taking any medication. Uh, it's I wouldn't say it's natural because it's a machine, but closest thing you can do to natural uh and it literally if your anxiety is at nine it it knocks you down to at least a three and all it does is send electronic uh, waves i don't know how like the magical voodoo of it works but it shoots electronic waves you just put a little clip on your ear uh and you set it up you only need 20 minutes and it runs on two AA batteries that mine does. I don't know about the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you set it up. If you feel like you're drunk, then you got to back it down. And yeah. you can you can watch TV. You can uh, I read a book, and you just sit there for 20 minutes. And after that, your anxiety level drops, and you're like, "Wow, man, I feel better." So are you so, a nightly user? Uh, I try to, sometimes I forget because I forget about everything. Uh, but I can tell the difference when I am using it religiously and when I'm not, uh, anxiety is lower, um, sleeping's better. And, uh, I remember the first time I tried it, we had a nurse come in and I was working nights at the time and man, I could not wait to go to sleep. It was incredible so and that was the I, there's two different ones there's a the small one like i have and then there's like the bigger one that's got more juice and you can i think do like touch points and stuff like that on it mm-hmm. uh i've never done like the touch point one i've only done the ear ones so uh the touch point one i heard is really good i mean so did they bring it into your department is that how you got introduced to it <laughs> you're funny dude <laughs> you're hilarious uh, stuff that would make us feel better. Uh, no, yeah, no, no, I don't even know if they know anything that would help somebody. Uh, but, um, no, it was my, uh, my therapist. Uh, she is always going for the, what can help my client the best. And she partnered with the company that makes alpha stim and we have a uh, home group and her, office every Tuesday and Thursday. So she set them up. We were our, her guinea pigs, uh, us crazies. 
And uh, the nurse came in, set us all up, and we were like, this is incredible. How do you get it? Uh, and we were going to we – it's a couple thousand dollars. And I was trying to find ways to just give them the money so I can get it because it was incredible. Hmm. So I know when we were uh, – I know when we were looking at it. I don't know where it is now because I, <clears throat> I still don't have one. I'm really interested in having one. But um, when we were looking at it originally, Austin, uh, it had to have been – authorized by a, a clinician and i don't know if it's still that way but it, they were fascinating i remember putting it on it was supposed to be for insomnia depression anxiety and maybe was it pain was there some pain management stuff with it or yeah not? so there's like you said there's the two portions right there's there's one that has like two probes that you can do as like a touch point like rob was saying in a specific area like your knee or your shoulder or what, whatever it may be and then there's also the ones that we were trying which is the ear clip ones it's mm -hmm. so weird that rob yeah. brought it up because i met with that dude this morning about oh, really so they just figured out a way to basically get every former military member one through their insurance as of like a couple of weeks ago so anyone that was you know still has military insurance they get an alpha stem for free now so oh that's you know, awesome with the clients that we're dealing with like he gave me the paperwork and everything like that to get them over for free if if somebody else wants them i think they're 850 dollars or something like that and then the mm -hmm. the touch point one is like 1500 i think but uh it's it's super cool man Rob, don't you love it? Oh, best thing ever. And uh, I actually got mine through my workers' comp. So mm -hmm. uh, my doctor recommended it. Uh, and I got to say, the workers' comp company that my city went through uh, loved the non-prescription you know, uh, drug type thing. Uh, and God bless them. They, they provided it for me. And it's been great. The only thing I think I have to do is like request the uh, pads uh, mm -hmm. from my doctor and the there's like some liquid that you have to drop on it uh it's lasted me months now so I, it's not like a reoccurring expense it's probably like once every six months Talk, like tell us how you use it like how often when is there certain times is there a certain time you're regular or maybe even when you're dysregulated what how, when do you when do you stick that thing on so the the Main one is that you should be doing it before bedtime, but like an hour or two before bedtime. Uh, if you do it right before bed, that might mess you up a little bit. Uh, but you could do it any time of the day. So say like you're amped up at work and you're just like, I don't want to take another pill, man. Like I'm done taking pills. You clip that on 20 minutes, you could still do your work. And it just brings that anxiety, that anger, that everything down in 20 minutes and just let it let it cycle through and if you need some more all we got to do is press the button again and you're off and running for another 20 minutes and you just steadily decrease and you're still a functioning human being you just have some clips on your ears so cool yeah That's i mean wild dude that we just met with this dude this morning i had no idea rob that you were utilizing it and that's if that's not a, a god thing i don't know what is because it's just more proof that people more people should be using it and the guys that uh, i have in my home group here uh all the military veterans if you ask the va uh mm -hmm. for it 
they will 100% be in support of it uh, and help you any which way uh, to get it. So cool, man. So cool. Dude, thank you. Because that's, that's just another resource out there for people that uh, can really use something that especially if people don't like the medication route, like, and also to think about it, okay, if you do buy it for yourself, and you don't get it covered by insurance or workman's comp, like, what is your copay for medications each month, right? Like, it's a long term investment. I know people that spend hundreds on copays each month for medications and so you you equal that out 200 a month in copays four months you're using less medications you just bought the machine and it helps more right and you're not worried about the side effects from the medications that you're taking yeah that's a big that's a big piece too the lack of side effects i think the the weird thing about it definitely is you're talking about you feel a little like drunk like lightheaded and uh if you do turn it up too high it was crazy because Danny was trying it and he had it all the way up to the very top. Couldn't feel a thing. He put it in my ears for about 10 seconds all the way at the top. And I thought I was going to pass out, man. Like it got me just a little feeling a little dizzy, feeling a little good, feeling weird. And I had to turn that thing down immediately. But it, did they, did the company say anything like why that was like that he can go high that high? I can't go that high. Yeah, he just said everyone's different, you know? And so, like, for some, I mean, it's just like everything, right? Like, something's not going to work for every single person. So, most likely, for whatever reason, his body did not respond to it in a normal way. Cause the rest of us had the same exact thing. Like, we turned it up, you know, above two, and you're starting to feel a little weird. And he had it at, like, I think the max was like six, and he had it at six. He just didn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm a steady three. Yeah. So I looked it up here on online here. So there's an there's an Alpha Stem M and an Alpha Stem uh, AID. If if people are looking, which which one do you have, Rob? You know, I don't know the specific uh, product number like you're dishing out here, but uh, it's the small one. <laughs> yeah, one should have two probes and one should have ear clips. And so whichever one has ear clips is the ones that both Rob and I have used. Okay, that's the M. Yeah, because yeah, I'm seeing the ear clip electrodes. Yeah, and it's the cheaper of the two, also, which is beneficial. Uh, okay. yep. I don't, I don't yep. know how that works, right? Something cheaper is never supposed to be the more applicable one, but uh, get good marketing for Alpha Stem, I guess. You know, I guess, and I mean, yeah, if you because they showed us on the the big one with the the probes, mm -hmm. uh, they showed us how it worked. Like if you had neck pain or whatever. Uh, it was about a year or two ago that uh, that I went through the whole thing, but it, it worked. I mean, it alleviated some pain for a certain amount of time for some of the guys. So I didn't use the probe, so I, I can't talk about it. Yeah, that's fair. Well, let's uh, before we give of you know too much free marketing away for Alpha Stem. <laughs> let's, uh, let's jump we definitely did a huge drop for alpha yeah Stem. hey whatever man I, hey it I'm, works I'm thanks rob fan. for the for the vote absolutely and if they need to uh have a spokesperson uh i'm i'm pretty much free all the time okay rob so here we go into the, the meat and potatoes of the episode here what why we brought rob d on two fucking years man two years 
two years of Chateau. Kid. Boom. Yeah. And uh, been through a lot since then, obviously. Medically <laughs> oh, retired oh. now, you know, in a uh, loving marriage and Excellent. some beautiful dogs and everything like that. But it, naturally, man, from what I've seen is, you know, we've got our alumni and we do our alumni, you know, weekly meetings and all of that kind of stuff. And you kind of just become a, a stalwart presence in there. Right. Like that's even though you won't admit it because you got that far away look in your eyes right now. I think uh, I think it's pretty tried and true that you've, you've proven to be one of the, the staples of that, man. And hey, I would go a step further, even Austin, and saying that he's a uh, he, he's a pillar. He's a he's a mentor. There's a lot of stability uh, with having Rob in that because I was in that alumni group for a while. And and to be quite frank, I. I felt like it was a little much, so I kind of handed my baton to Rob, and he picked it up and is fucking killing it, just mentoring others to live a life of, of peace in their recovery. Well, so, yeah. Well, I appreciate all the kind words, but uh, the people in that group, they they helped me as much as I helped them. So, uh, you know, it's it's been a long two years. It's been a tough two years. Uh, but you know what? And the guy who runs group core basically says put you in your recovery first and that's what you got to live by so and that's what i do you know hey i have i have to set a routine and once i have that routine down i write it down i put my goals and the intentions for the day and i'm successful for that day now when i go astray and i'm not doing my devotional i'm not writing out what i want to do I feel myself kind of go off the tracks. Uh, and what I've realized is that if I'm off the tracks, then I'm no good to anybody and I'm no good to myself. So I want to be that pillar. I want to be that uh, that staple in that group. So I try to do everything in my power to, uh, to help them out. Well, you've seen quite a few people come through the group, man. And I know that that's, that's what's working for you. And when you're seeing people that, kind of fall off the wagon is the term I'm going to use. Whether it, we're not talking just substance abuse, we're talking mental health. We're, we're talking every, the whole person here, right? When you're seeing people struggle and people kind of revert back to former beliefs or about themselves or, or whatever, like is, is the catalyst that where they're not following their routine and what's worked for them? Or is there something else you're seeing that is causing people to struggle? All the above, uh, <laughs> but uh, there's triggers. There's triggers for everybody. Uh, and what I see, uh, especially through the group, is people try and people are doing everything that they can to stay clean and sober and, and uh, away from those suicidal ideologies or uh, self-harm. And the, what I've noticed, especially with me, because I've gotten on there and I've said, I'm having a bad day. Uh, I've even said, Hey, I want to hurt myself today. And what's great about that group is, is that they rally around you. Um, even if, and one time I was not being quite honest, uh, I didn't want to talk. I just, I was having a bad day. I didn't want to talk. And the people know me so well on that group virtually, they could even tell that something was wrong. And they literally called me on my shit, uh, called me on the telephone and said, what's the deal? And that's the kind of group that 
I need in my life and that I would do anything for because they are that supportive. I think could, could we specifically label that out as, as support group as maybe one of the um, risks uh, with not having uh, a good recovery process? Because I hear you describing that as a major part of your life is that support group in and of itself. So is that, can we label that out as uh, a cautionary, Hey, if you're not in a good support group, you're probably not going to do that well. I don't know how people do it without a support group. Uh, honestly, uh, I have two amazing support groups uh, that I'm blessed with. I got the Chateau support group uh, and I have a home group. And, you know, sometimes being in a support group, they're going to call you out on your shit though. And you got to be prepared for that criticism. And you need to basically say, all right, I messed up. This is, and have a solution and they will help you with and guide you through that solution. But you need to make sure that you're going to do that work. Well, I certainly think having people around you that can speak truth into you, even when you're, um, it doesn't feel good. It's, it's, um, it rubs you the wrong way, but the reality is they're telling you that because they care and they love you. The, you know, it's, and, and two, it kind of sounds goofy. The support group has a stigma that attached to it. We're talking about people who actually genuinely love you and care for you, uh, and will speak truth into you no matter, um, no matter what is really going on there. Is that fair? Absolutely. And, you know, I'm there for the people that, uh, or having that bad day, uh, I'll check on them. Uh, you pass the reins on to me to lead the uh, group me app. Everybody is uh, connected 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, something that makes us laugh or, hey, I'm struggling. And I can guarantee you that when that group me app goes off, people will read it. And if you're having a bad day, people will come out and support you whether it be via text, email, uh, group me app or telephone call, or they'll get in touch with Chateau and say, Hey, this, this guy's going down, uh, you know, a path that we don't like. And one of the counselors or one of the, uh, people that work at Chateau will literally call them because the time at Chateau doesn't end when you leave the door, which is incredible because some other places, you're, you're going to get nothing afterwards, which is incredible. Well, you know, I think it's, I think it's interesting that you speak to this and, and Austin, if you don't, uh, if you don't want to speak to this, we can edit this out. But I mean, recently you said the same thing that, that, uh, that your sponsor called you out on, on some truth that didn't feel that good, but made probably made an enormous difference in, uh, you know, the next few days, weeks after Is that fair. Yeah. And I don't have any problem putting my dirty laundry out there. Um, mine was about getting back to basics. Right. And mine was, I was being a, a dickhead. I was resentful. I was angry. I was tired. Like that stupid, you know, halt acronym, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I was all of those. Uh, we were traveling, we were in Vegas and I, fucking hate vegas with a passion so that did not help at all 
but the reality was is he and we have that relationship where he can do those things and you know i'm calling him bitching right because it's somebody i know who will pick up the phone and he's like well what are you are you doing this and your immediate are you doing that are you doing this are you doing that and your immediate reaction is to lie because you don't you don't want to acknowledge the fact that you actually some of these basic principles and tools are really the key to daily happiness or contentment or whatever it is and so you just you want to lie and say yeah i'm doing all those things and it ain't working so fuck you but i unfortunately fortunately told the truth and you know he's it's a very quick conversation a quick reality of like well get back to basics dude get on your knees get on you know pray do some daily inventory things uh get right with yourself and then magically i made myself go to bed at like eight o'clock at night the the following night i think it was woke up the next day and all of a sudden it's a new world right like isn't that fucking stupid rod I don't think it's stupid at all. I think that sometimes you need a swift kick in the ass to get back to basics. And uh, I ratted myself out yesterday to my doc and I said, hey, I haven't been writing down my plan. I've been writing down my plan of attack. And I've seen how I haven't been as productive as I have been in the past. And she's she said the same thing to me. Get back to basics. And... I heard something this morning because I listened to the motivational stuff uh, and we are in control of everything. Now, other people were not in control, but in control of our lives and what we can do for our recovery, what we can do for ourselves. So if you're having that bad day, are we living in the past and you're going to let your past dictate your future or are you going to do something about it to change and make make your life, make your world, make your family better. And that's what we have. That's what we are in control of. Well, I have to admit that, that, uh, you, you know, Rob is one of my guys that I can always depend on to call and ask the hard questions. And what was that? Uh, two, three days ago, you called me. And of course it's, uh, if you've been listening any time at all, you know about the Phoenix story with my journaling and how that, uh, Austin was the one that called me out on that one. Uh, but that made such an impression, and Rob's such a great friend. We don't just call and shoot the shit. Rob asks those hard questions of, hey, how's it going? How's the journaling going? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? And those are those are good questions from people who care. Uh, that's that's when you know people really care, when they're, when they're willing to step up and call you out on, uh, are you doing the right thing or are you, or are you not? Well, yeah, I mean, I got concerned about you because you kind of like got – went incognito MIA for a while. Uh, and that's not like you. So, you know, it's that phone call. That's like, Hey dude, are you okay? What are you doing? Uh, are you doing sure. the steps of your recovery that you're supposed to do? Are you going to AA meetings? Are you going to, are you journaling, you know, all the above. And it takes somebody to give you a swift kick and say, Hey dude, are you doing this? And your answer was, yeah, I'm doing everything like that, but work is kicking my butt. So I, and I totally understand that, but I want to make sure your priorities are you and your recovery first work. And, you know, I was a, I was a victim of this, uh, when I was working in the PD work came first, everything else came second. And what I have realized is nobody cares once you leave, 
<laughs> yeah. Well, also too, Rob. Even the last time we had you on, you were working at a a local place as well, and, and you know, recently since then, you've stepped away from that as well too, right? Absolutely. And is that because you realized that you need to take care of you first, or or what was going on? Uh, you know, like I said, you and your recovery first, and I that was affecting my home life, um, and I. Now, what I can do and what I make everybody do is reflect on their um, what the, what they went through. And there was a lot of stuff that I could have done better, um, but I'm learning. You know, a job outside of PD is different. Uh, there's a different way to talk to people. There's a different mentality outside of police work in the military. Uh, and it's hard to learn and adjust. So I was trying to learn and adjust quickly and rapidly, and I didn't give it that time and slow down and say, you know what, all right, uh, first comes A, then comes B, then comes C. And I wanted to go from A to Z in about two weeks, and it's just, it's not, it's impossible. Did somebody actually... I mean, were you that self-aware or were you counseled to that? Or was there an accountability person, somebody else speaking truth into you? Uh, it it kind of goes back to the point we're making with this support group uh, element. Uh, or was it or was it just uh, maybe your wife, maybe Shannon or some epiphany? I mean, what, what was the arrival of that decision and saying, you know, that I, I don't this is not good for me. Uh, all the above. Uh, it was affecting my my marriage, not anything bad or anything like that, but I was quick, short tempered, uh, very frustrated, uh, hyper focused on, you know, I should do this. I, I'm doing this. I'm messing up on that. Um, and you know, I, you have to be honest with your therapist. You, have, uh, I talked to her and she's like, dude, this is unhealthy. Uh, home group, Chateau group. They're like, you need to write out the pros and cons of what's going on and you need to be healthy. So one day, what ended it all for me was one day I just, it, it was just the tipping spot for me. And I go, and I realized this is just not healthy. Um, I'm back to where I was and where I do not want to be. And uh, that's when I, I reached out to my doc and she goes, all right, you're out of work. And medically, I went out of work and I did some soul searching, reached out to my support network, especially my wife, and had a discussion and said, it's you and your recovery first. So we could find something different. Um, I could still help out the kids. Uh, I'm back tutoring, uh, back with the kids and uh, helping them and uh, teaching. That's what I wanted to do from the first place. And... uh, you know, you can have your cake and eat it too, basically. So that's why um, I did what I did. Well, here's the crazy part, in my opinion, about this. And it just proves what you're doing, Rob, because a lot of us, including myself, will be like, man, I can't do this anymore. I need to step away. But then do absolutely nothing about it. Right? It's a conversation for years instead of like, let's do something about this. Let's move on. And 
you know, start something different or try a new avenue, whatever it may be. Because a lot of people are all talk when it comes to that. Just the job portion in general, I think also relationships is a big one. I think a lot of people will be all talk about a relationship that they're that is unhealthy or they're not enjoying. Uh, Brad, what are your thoughts? I, I absolutely agree. I think there's a certain amount of, of courage that has to uh, take place in making that kind of decision and action. Uh, you know, oftentimes we know the decision and we can make the decision in our minds, but taking action, that's that's a that's there's a lot of courage. And, and with courage, is, it's facing fear and, and moving beyond that, uh, you know, and, and I know the uh, just communicating with you offline, Rob, I know the passion that you had for those kids, but I also know that that uh, that was a big part of your life. That was a big deal. Uh, so I completely agree with you, Austin. Hey, for the time, so so let me tee this up again because I think this is a great topic, and we, and we spent a lot of time on this support group and, and the accountability group. But uh, Rob, to the to the question um, Austin posed to you, uh, you know, just are there are there maybe another uh, bullet point or two things that are uh, really crucial to maintaining your recovery, your peace, your serenity? that maybe you see or have seen or watched unfold in other people's lives as you were mentoring other people, anything, anything we want to, you want to throw on the conversation table? Well, what I wanted to bring up, because it's uh, definitely an issue for me and it, and it's uh, peered its head multiple times, especially in my recovery is that people will reach out to you for help. They go, Hey dude, you're the OG. You should know everything. And I want to put all of my drama, traumas and dramas on you. Um, and now I feel that I'm responsible for this person's recovery and mm. what they should do and how to help them. And there's been multiple times that I've reached out to the group and go, hey, this person is worse than where I was at. Or they're, they're going to either get arrested, they're going to either hurt themselves, hurt somebody else, uh, or just ruin their entire life. And I feel I'm responsible for making them either go to treatment or go to therapy or take medication or whatever. And you feel like this bond that you have to do something. And it goes to what you were talking about before. I can only control what I can control. And if a person wants that help, they will reach that point where they go, I cannot do this anymore. Rob, I know you've been through it. What do I have to do? And, but that's the problem when you see that person that's struggling and that you know can benefit from treatment or drug or medication for uh, any sort of thing, or you see them drinking in excess and you, they, they don't want the help and you really want to give the help, but they just turn you away. And that is, that's one of my big things, especially being a part of groups is seeing that person that comes out of Chateau or comes out of treatment, uh, or is just in treatment, um, outside of being in recovery and you just see them spiraling and spiraling and you make suggestions, but they just, they're not 
ready yet to go take that next step or that next level. Man, this is this is a level of pain and hurt uh, that is that is really difficult to orate and and communicate on a verbal level of how difficult it is to watch somebody go down a path knowing it it is not going to end well and yet you have to say i've done all i can do that is it that is a rough rough position to be in i just had a uh, a friend um one of the guys that works in this uh wellness community uh he's in recovery and worked with two different guys and lost both of those guys within about two and a half weeks of each other to alcoholism uh both of them both of them dead he had tried to help them both uh, you know, and he's tore up, he's heartbroken, but he's also in a healthy place of, I did w- what all I could do. I, d- I did my part and what they did is on them. It's not on me. And that's a difficult line. Is that, am I, am I communicating that accurately as to what you're describing, Rob? Absolutely. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, people will have to go through things that are unpleasant and that's a part of our lives. So if everything was pleasant in our lives, then we would never experience happiness or joy. You have to have that low to have that high. Uh, and I think Austin can speak to uh, these things better than I can because he's been in recovery longer than I, I can. Uh, no, well, I'm going to say one thing is you've got it. You, you nailed it on the head, right? It's not about time in recovery, right? You, With your time in recovery, you see more and more people do the same thing over and over again. Like when they're, if they're struggling or something like that, it's a majority of the time. I'm going to say majority because it's not every single person. The quote unquote failures that people experience are generally from around the same thing. They hate their job. They're in a relationship they don't like. They stop taking care of themselves. They stop sleeping. They don't eat correctly. They don't work out. They don't do their prayers and meditations. They don't do inventories. They don't get care. Don't, don't take care of their resentments. They stop going to their home groups or meetings. Uh, they allow work to take over everything. Uh, they step away from basically a majority of the things that helped them get to the point that they were at. Right? Like that sounds pretty accurate 100 yeah it's unfortunately the same thing and you can sit and you can get in front of somebody to a certain point and call those things to the table but you can't make them take action right and it's just like you know we had a a co-worker of mine that experienced somebody recently for the first time he's worked for us for almost two years and for the first time he was working with somebody and he, you know, this person was kind of dragging their feet a little bit to get into treatment. No, no ill will against them at all. Um, it's a tough decision to make, right? And unfortunately, some medical complications happened over the weekend and he passed away. Terrible, terrible story because I've, I've had that happen to me too where you kind of miss somebody for like a day or two and something terrible happens. And for him, it was his first time he did it. And I'm like, okay, this is terrible. First off, what do you need, right? Let's take care of, like, I understand this this grieving process and how painful this is, and a lot of what-ifs start coming up. You know, should I have called him 18 times instead of 17, right? Like, would that one extra phone call have made the difference? But then you also have to look at yourself within and say, did you do everything that you could have done, right? Because that's the most important part. 
if you didn't, which he did, by the way, just to make it very clear, we went over this and analyzed it and he did his part to the fullest. But if you did not, then you need to take a look within yourself and really start to, to understand what it is you're doing and what, what your purpose and value is, right? I, I think that I think there's also a, a point that could be made here. He, he uh, Rob, you brought up an interesting uh, word there, which is responsible for, uh, and I and I I think that's a uh, I think that's a fragile line we walk there, uh, being responsible for another human being. Uh, I've I've always been taught that we can be responsive to people in this. Uh, journey, but we're not responsible for their actions. Uh, those actions are theirs alone. And it, and at some point, if we do try to take on and bear that responsibility, then we really set ourselves up for uh, a a fall that is is really difficult to recover from. Uh, but but uh, in short, uh, what I've learned uh, since in in my recovery since going to Chateau is that has a lot to do with boundaries. Uh, that's a that's a word that was somewhat foreign to me um, in 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 this working in this community, but having those boundaries of saying, "Hey, man, I'm here to help you," but if you and I tell I even tell my sponsees now I tell <clears throat> the people I'm work I will I will not work harder than you. I will not work harder than you. I'll work just as hard, <clears throat> but I won't work harder than you because that begins to begins a trend of. Uh, me wanting their recovery or their health more than they do. And that's when that responsibility uh, hat starts to come on me instead of them. Uh, and I think that's just one indication. I think there's many, <coughs> excuse me, I got choked up there. I think there's many indicators, I think, but that's an easy one uh, to where we can say, hey, man, I'm taking too much. I'm investing too much uh, and, and starting to overinvest in this person. Thoughts on that? Yeah, man, I, I got thoughts to everything. Uh, so, Austin, uh, just for your guy, when I was suicidal and I wanted nothing to do with life, I don't give a shit if you called me 100 times or 30 times or one time. Wouldn't have ever made, made a difference. Uh, what got me through uh, is some miracle, some intervention that I had no control over. Uh, I've taught, I was in therapy. I was taking medications. I was doing all that stuff. Um, it just was there. Um, and when I, uh, I actually started, uh, assisting in the responsibilities of my home group and the guy that runs it, he's run it for years and he said he's lost people, uh, that were in the group. Um, reference completion of suicide and he basically it's me and another guy that's helping him out now and he said that this stuff happens and he really beat himself up for it for a long time and i think that when you get into with my experience when you get into this treatment realm and recovery realm that like what Brad said is you, there's gotta be that line. There's gotta be that barrier to say, Hey, I'm going, I'm doing as much as I possibly can, but I can't do recovery for you because it's, it's a ton of work for me. And I can't do all your stuff too, because that, 
that's going to consume your life if you keep doing their recovery and your recovery as well. And that includes, you know, photograph or phone calls and checking in, especially when I first got out. Uh, there were a couple people that I was like, I got to call you every day. I got to make sure you're sober and I got to make sure you're doing all the right things. And then as time goes on, you realize if they don't want to be sober, they're not going to be sober. If they don't want to help themselves and they don't want to do the recovery process, that's on them. And it's still, there are some people that tear at my heartstrings that I really want to do well and I want them to succeed. Um, but I, I got to know that that's, that's their journey. It's not my, it's not mine. So I have to do whatever. And if I'm healthy, then the people around me are going to be healthy. And I'm going to give them the best of me that I could possibly give. And that's my responsibility. Man, that is, sorry, Austin. I was, I was going to say, I don't know that we could find a better close that's, than that. That's right there. funny. Cause that's exactly what I was going for right there. I was just going to say like to end on Rob, his words of wisdom, wisdom, Rob D's words of wisdom. That's going to be the title of this episode, by the way. Now, uh, I don't think we can Rob. It's been a been a pleasure, man. I love being on here, guys. Uh, except for Thank you for listening to this segment of No One Fights Alone. No One Fights Alone is sponsored by Chateau Recovery is a 16-bed treatment facility nestled in the foothills of the Wasatch Mountains in Midway, Utah. Chateau's first responder resiliency program is designed to treat the unique challenges and issues that first responders encounter in the course of their careers. Chateau's comprehensive and highly individualized approach to treatment addresses more than just the presenting issues. It addresses the why. Each of their seasoned, trauma-trained, and culturally competent therapists utilize evidence-based, specialized therapies to treat trauma at its core and enable clients to begin the healing process while developing a resilient and healthy relationship with stress. Chateau Recovery is trusted by departments and agencies from around the country to treat responders and veterans. In fact, it is one of only a handful of facilities nationwide that is vetted and approved to treat members of the Fraternal Order of Police. For more information or to speak to a representative, go to chateaurecovery.com or call 888-507-5031. No One Fights Alone is also sponsored by First Responder Trauma Counselors. First Responder Trauma Counselors are subject matter experts in proactive behavioral health care for frontline workers through their National Peer Support Academy. This 40-hour all-badges, all-uniforms, and all-scrubs educational experience helps to create caring, honest, and empathetic peer support relationships with your fellow frontline workers. The FRTC National Peer Support Academy is taught by actual first responders who have gone back to school to become culturally competent, licensed behavioral health clinicians that teach from lived experiences, not just theories from books. This fast-paced immersive educational academy will not just change your life, it will help you save the lives of others. For additional details, visit 991overwatch.org or call 970-222-419-3. This could be the most life-changing academy you'll ever attend.